0: Views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I'm Danielle Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is The Danielle Metz Show. Quote, When good men talk about bad men, they always ignore the line in the sand, the line in the sand that is inevitably drawn whenever a good man talks about a bad man. I'm a good man, here's the line. They're all the bad men need to talk about how men will draw a different line for every different occasion they have a line for the locker room a line for their wives mothers daughters and sisters are watching another line for when they are drunk and fretting another line for non-disclosure a line for friends and a line for foes you know why we need to talk about this line between good men and bad men because it's only good men that get to draw that line and guess what all men believe they are good We need to talk about this because guess what happens when only good men get to draw that line? This world, a world full of good men who do very bad things and still believe in their heart of hearts that they are good men because they have not crossed the line, because they move the line for their own good. Women should be in control of that line, no question. Now take everything I have said up to this point and replace man with white person. And know that if you're a white woman, you have no place drawing lines in the sand between good white people and bad white people. I encourage you to also take the time to replace man with straight or cis or able-bodied or neurotypical, etc., etc. Everybody believes are fundamentally good, and we all need to believe that we are fundamentally good because believing you are fundamentally good is part of the human condition. But if you have to believe somebody else is bad in order to believe you are good, you're drawing a very dangerous line. This is an excerpt from a speech given by Hannah Gadsby at the Woman in Entertainment Gala earlier this month. I'd never heard of her until this speech started making the rounds on the internet. And if I'd had to guess, I would have assumed she was a suppressed artist with all the talk of drawing and lines. But it turns out she's apparently a comedian, as you can tell by that wittier, holier-than-thou lecture. But that's what comedians are now, isn't it? The puritanical guides of society. The late-night comedy shows don't elicit laughter, just reflexive clapping to politically correct moral preening. We are judged by what we find funny. And we're being segregated into two separate groups— those who may be ridiculed with public adulation, and those who must never be mocked, no matter how gently. Take the recent case of Kevin Hart. He'd been given the nod to host the Oscars. Then some old tweets from 2009-2010 were dug up by the social justice bitty bodies, and his initial response was, how are you supposed to handle this situation? Quote, we're feeding the internet trolls, and we reward them. I'm not going to do it, man. I'm going to be me. I'm going to stand my ground. Regardless, Academy, I'm thankful and appreciative of this opportunity. If it goes away, no harm, no foul. He stated this on his Instagram page and then promptly apologized. He stepped down from hosting the Oscars, saying that he didn't want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. And what was his exact crime? He had a short stand up routine in his 2010 comedy special, which he expressed his desire for his son to be straight, which he followed up with some tweets stating the same thing. They were jokes. And as he explained to Rolling Stone in 2015, there was a self depreciating look at his own fears. Quote, the funny thing within the joke is that it's me getting mad at my son because of my own insecurities, he said. I panicked. It had nothing to do with him, it's about me. But it doesn't matter. He had mocked one of the untouchable groups in current society. He had, quote, punched it down, as they say, to justify which jokes are acceptable and which are not. Hannah Gadsby, in her ramblings on the fact that men are evil, especially if they're white, straight, able-bodied, and not mentally unstable, is what they call punching up. The left can't help but equate language with violence. Humor is supposed to be a means to explore ideas in a safe environment. It's supposed to provoke, test boundaries, expose truth, be silly, crude, clever, and challenging. It is the opposite of violence. And I, for one, Robert, don't find the current status of comedy very funny.
1: You know, comedy is supposed to be, let me put it this way, it's supposed to be a safe place. (laughs) It really is, where you can say anything you want about any topic you want. And the audience and the, the people who are either applauding or booing or throwing tomatoes at you, they're the arbiters of what is acceptable or not. And comedy is also that place where the envelope gets pushed where it gets broken in some cases. Just think of the seven words you can't say yes, on television. Yes, I was just going to say George Carlin. <laughs> George Carlin, yeah. My comedy is Monty Python. What does that say about me? Some, it says he, you have
0: good taste. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, that's true, <laughs> and I do. But there are different genres of comedy that can... I agree with the, whoever said that, that, that it tells a lot about yourself, the comedy that you enjoy. There's some comedy I just don't get, Um, there's a lot of Canadian comedy.
0: (laughs) Well, it's government-sponsored comedy, so that's probably why.
1: It's true. Uh, I watched a bit of Jimmy Fallon the other night. uh, Why? Just a bit. uh, Because it was on the the box and and, and others in the room were watching it. And I could not laugh at, at anything on that show. I watched a bit of Saturday Night Live once. And uh, it was the part when uh, Kanye West was on. Oh, yes. So I watched a bit of that show, and, I, and I'm going, nothing on this show is funny. No. Nothing. I mean, zero. Nothing.
0: It's all political grandstanding and virtue signaling. That's all yeah. it is. And the audience just, it's, uh, that was pointed out to me. I can't remember who did it the uh, first time, but its they're not doing it to elicit laughter. They're doing it for approval. It's, and the audience dutifully will clap every time that the political points made, the virtue has been signaled, oh, we all agree, yes, and they all applaud, like seals.
1: It is official comedy. Yes, it is. <clears throat> meaning not comedic at all. To get to real comedy, you have to tune into some of the stuff on XM, the unvarnished comedy from the nightclubs and the Or go, go the smoky... on YouTube
0: and look at the older comedy stuff that's still hopefully available there because... What's, what they consider comedy now is like, you know, you've got your Amy Schumers and stuff like that. They were used to be edgy. Actually, that's funny. That, that's the funny part about it is a lot of the current comedians used to be edgy. But as they became successful, they closed the door behind them. And now they pillory everybody who's being edgy now because they may they, maybe they feel threatened or maybe they just because they're so popular, they want to maintain their status. And to do so, you have to kowtow to the p- political correctness nature of their age.
1: Well, that's, I think, true with almost any uh, field or endeavor. Acting, for example, you can be a little outrageous when you're just becoming uh, a known entity in the acting field. But when you start to become box office and bankable, you really have to take stock of, will this hurt my career? Will this hurt my box office? Uh, will this hurt, uh, you know, the producers? So when you have nothing to lose, that's when you're edgy. When you've got a lot to lose, exactly. you start watching your P's and Q's. Now, I don't know this Kevin Hart. I've never heard of him before this.
0: He used to be very funny. I watched the actual special in in question. I did watch it, and then I, I found it amusing. He was the new dad, and he was, like, really proud. And he told good stories about his family. He was, like, different than a lot of other... Um, uh, comedians who are more abrasive. He was more... Fa- I'm going to say family-friendly, but he, there was a lot of swearing in the show. But um, his last uh, comedy special, my husband and I tried to watch it, and it was just horrible. It was just horrible. It was like fake shocking for the sake of being shocking. Just...
1: I think the police are coming after us. <laughs> Just think of for for a moment. You go back to some of those old, older routines, and I've got some George Carlin stuff. I've got Eddie some. Murphy,
0: early Eddie Murphy, early was awesome. Eddie
1: Murphy, great where where he did whiteface, for yeah. example, <laughs> or the Monty Python. The Monty Python did a script of nothing but racial and ethnic insults, and it was hilarious. <laughs> it would never be played on the radio today. Oh God, no.
0: Well, that's how you take the teeth out of it, right?
1: Exactly. You know, that's what—that's a function of humor is, as you say, to take the teeth out of an insult. You uh, turn it around. You overplay it. Um, you know, yeah, you Lenny wear Bruce, it out.
0: Lenny Bruce was the one who said "The what gives this word this power is because it, it's verboten. You're not allowed to say it. The more you use it, the less effect it has. And I think that also speaks to the fact that the left wants to control language so much that's why they're eroding humor. They are making so many words. You can't say that. No, that's, the, no, you can't say that. No, that's rude. That's offensive. That's violent.
1: And then they make up words. Oh, God. And then they then they pass legislation to make you use them. <laughs> I think that they're attacking comedy because comedy is, was that safe space for edginess, that safe space for the right, that safe space for the left, mm-hmm. you know, for everybody. It's, it's the Smothers Brothers, a comedy variety show. They were extreme leftists. Mind you, at the time, back in the 70s, I think I would have fit in (laughs) into that as well. Yeah, the
0: pendulum has kind of swung a little bit on what considers left and right in that kind of respect.
1: That's true, but I mean, they were censored at the time by the the, the conservative, uh, the conservatives who owned the the television shows. I think if you have to use comedy to, as Jordan Peterson, I keep coming back to that guy, I don't know why, (laughs) uh, but keep coming back to him we speak and our so our words die and that we don't yes in other words you have to be allowed to say stuff whether it's comedic or whatever so that those challenging exactly so that people say oh you know i i think that you crossed over the line there rather than shoot you but what, what we see now is the left won't even let you experiment with words and language so that you know what is acceptable Yeah, because we what teach each other
0: what our boundaries are. It's like, strangely, um, there was something I posted on Facebook recently was, um, be, be careful what you tolerate because you're teaching people how to treat you.
1: And so what was Kevin Hart actually accused of doing? It wasn't even necessarily earth-shattering or anything like that. He made an honest statement about how he honestly felt about what would happen if his son was gay, right? I mean, was his son gay? I don't know.
0: No, I don't think so. He uh, His fear was, and he, said, he stated this in the um, routine, was his fear is that he did nothing against gay people, but he didn't know how he would react or relate, be able to relate to his son if his son happened to be gay because he didn't have that experience. And that was what the bit was generally about. He made it funnier and there were some edgy jokes to it, but that's basically what it was. It was the fear of a father not knowing how to raise a son Enough as it is, but adding that extra element to it would make it that much harder, which is the truth.
1: Interesting. I mean, this is almost, uh, I'm being hoisted on my own petard here by saying that, okay, so he's put out there this particular series of words talking about what would it be like to be a father of a gay man, right? Or a gay son. And people are pushing back, saying, no, that's unacceptable.
0: Well, not at the time. At the ah, time, it was perfectly so using acceptable. A- this is all retroactive punishment, right? This is back from 2009, 2010, and it's almost 2019. So somebody took the time to go back through all of his tweets, all of his history and everything, pull it all together, look at his special from that time, and draw it into a nice little bow and make his life difficult.
1: Well, they do that before uh, as well. For example, Mark Twain and Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn, you know, they look at it
0: through the lens of today's oh, societal... don't use that word, lens. Oh, no, sorry. That's
1: what Justin Trudeau used the other day with the gender lens. I'm going, oh my God, who oh, yes, talks for like for the pipeline, that? right? Yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> yes, but they look at it with the values that we have today, looking back into it, the past and then judging them based on that. And
0: the problem is the values we have today I don't think are worthy enough most of the time to judge people from the
1: past. Well, it's true. I mean, the left's values of the day are no, reprehensible and, and, and not worthy. Anti-free
0: speech, anti-freedom, anti-everything. I'm not, I don't want to judge anybody by those values because I don't... It, it, To
1: To go back ten years and find out something that Kevin Hart may have said back then, which was acceptable, and to say that you can't have this role of hosting the Oscars because ten years ago you said something.
0: Yeah, and who didn't say something ten years ago that would be considered offensive today?
1: Just imagine if everybody had on them a tape recorder recording absolutely everything that they uh, said from from the first time they talked at one and a half or two years old to today. There's a reason infants have amnesia it's called infantile amnesia but they don't remember anything before the age of five generally speaking because if you could recall with perfect clarity everything that you did every time then you would probably go insane or kill yourself because of the shame and the embarrassment that saying things bring about naturally because you're not experienced enough that this kind of Language is not acceptable.
0: Yeah, like when they're calling out the the person who's overweight. They just point out observable facts. They don't understand the etiquette of, you know, social behavior.
1: As a, as a teenager uh, growing up, you insult people and you later on regret it. And, of course, you remember it because for the very reason you don't want to repeat it.
0: Exactly. It's a lesson. And that's what Kevin Hart even said, like, uh, in that 2015 Rolling Stone article. He basically said, he went on to say that, Listen, I'm not the same person I was back then. I've grown. I'm older. I'm wiser. I'm more secure in myself and all but you don't get a chance to grow up in the society or change because everything is digitized and the historical data is all filed somewhere
1: and of course then we can talk about the hypocrisy of the left for example banning that song baby it's cold outside taking out out of context of 1940s when it was written using as you say a lens of today's yes. values to reevaluate it and find out that it oh it's like a a me too thing this is date rape what's in this drink totally out of context and then yet they will put on the air a song about uh, some woman asking a guy to eat her ass (laughs) you know and this is this is making the popular music top 10.
0: So on that note take care behave yourself and watch what you say.
1: Cheers. If you've enjoyed this presentation visit justratemedia.org where you can support us via paypal or Patreon. And where you will find more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.